bow our hearts in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, we can gather here together. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to give, bless, uh, and uh, just multiply this offering, Father, these tithes and these offerings for the sake of your kingdom. Father, as we come to your word, we pray that you would bless Pastor Ike as he speaks. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before Pastor Ike comes up, it's our joy to bring some people into membership today. So I'm going to like to ask Linda and uh, Helena and John if they could make their way up, please. You may have heard some giggling at one point uh, during the, the worship. That's because there was like these projectile drumsticks that came zooming out and almost skewered my wife. It was, uh, it was very exciting up here. The things you miss when you sit at the back. I, I don't mind projectile drumsticks, but Aaron, if you start smashing your guitar up here, I draw the line at that. Also just want to say um, congratulations to Dan and Amy Clausen on the birth of their son. And uh, also good to see Greta and Romeo here with their son this morning. We... We are growing as a church, both in members and in terms of babies around here. and That's always an exciting thing to see. It's a good-looking bunch of young people, isn't it? We had some folks... That, yeah, you can applaud them. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Step in here a little bit closer, guys. Um, well, good morning. I, I think that was Paul's way of wishing you happy birthday. I... Forty years is not that old, but I guess it's, she's really big on the, (laughs) anyway, start recording now. Um, I want to just open a word of prayer as well before we we begin. Lord God, I thank you for uh, being here with us, and uh, Father, I pray that as we look into your word, uh, we look at what your son Jesus has done for us. And we have the Holy Spirit now with us, guiding us, counseling us, comforting us, leading us. We now ask the Holy Spirit that you would speak to us this morning, and that your word would be heard. In your name I pray, amen. I'm going to make an assumption here, and I think I'll make it an accurate assumption, is, and that is this, that every single person in this room has at some point in their life either had one or the other way of experiencing this. You were either in a situation where you didn't think you could do it, and a bunch of people thought you could. Maybe these were your friends, you're sitting on your bicycle, and you're at the top of the hill, and at the bottom of the hill is a bump. It's called a ramp. And you're sitting on the bicycle, you're the one on the bicycle, and you're like, this can't be done. And of course, all your friends and brothers, you know, good old loving siblings, of course you can, of course you can. Just let her go, and down you go, and off you, you know... All you're going to do is jump over a little piece of land, big deal, you know, and you're the one on the bike, and you're like, oh, I don't know, and, and all your friends are like, of course you can, you can do it, and you don't think you can. Or maybe it's been the other way around, where you're, you're convinced you can do something, and you're so sure of yourself, and you're excited about what you can do, and you're excited about the possibility here, and, and you know, maybe, let's just, you know, let's just get an example, maybe it's, you know, we'll pick on a guy, we won't name any guy, because that would be cruel, but he, he's like, I have a chance with that girl. If I ask that girl to date me, look at what she's getting. It's all, she's in, man. I won't even have to ask. And she'll be like, are you hinting that we date? And you're so convinced that you can do this. And you're like, I know I can. This girl, man, she's all over this. And, and if I ask, she, yeah, oh yeah. My, and then you go tell your friends, I'm going to ask. Let's just go pick with Summer from Napoleon Dynamite. I'm going to ask Summer on a date. And your friends are like, you are going to what? She'd never go out with you. And you're like completely convinced that, of course, this would happen. And your friends are like, no way, never. Every person in this room, I'm pretty sure, 
has had some sort of experience one way or the other. Where you were either not sure of yourself and other people were sure. Or you were like completely sure and other people weren't so convinced. And so I want to look at a story today. It's a very interesting, sad, um, incredible story where we see the people of Israel. They have been traveling from uh, Egypt. They were delivered there. God rescued them from Egypt. And now they have traveled. And if we can get this first slide. They have traveled quite a ways. And they're on their journey and they're wandering. Uh, you know, they went down to get the Ten Commandments and they have those now. And they're off and they're in the wilderness here of Paran. And if you read in chapter 12 of Exodus, I mean Numbers, we have a little weird experience where Aaron, Moses' brother, and uh, Miriam, they think that, you know, they're like, God speaks through us as well. Why is it only Moses? And, and we have this really interesting experience there where God gets a little upset with their arrogance and and poor Miriam gets leprosy and has to be outside the camp for a bit. But nonetheless, this is where they're at now from what we're going to talk about today. And guess where they're going? To the land of Canaan. The promised land. That, at the very top of the screen, that's home. That's where these people are off to. You might say, well, why not just head straight there? There was a number of things on their journey that didn't go quite like they should have maybe. But here's the journey that they're at. Look at, that's how far they've come. This is where they're at now. So close to the promised land. Numbers chapter 13, 1 and 2. God gives Moses some instructions, and here they are. The Lord said to Moses, Send some of your men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send some of its leaders. So Moses is to pick 12 men to go with, you know, to go and to explore this land. I want you to catch this right at the beginning of the sermon already. These are 12 men who are the leaders of their tribes. These are 12 men who have influence. These are 12 men who are qualified people. It wasn't like Moses is going, okay, 12 tribes, someone you'd like to get rid of, send them, please. And bring them up here. We're going to let them scout out and look over the land that God has promised us. These are the first people to lay eyes on the prize, in a sense. And Moses is like, okay, send me 12 men. They pick them out, and here are the instructions he gives them. Numbers 13, 18 to 20. Moses speaking here, he says, See what the land is like, whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of town do they live in? Are they unwalled or are they fortified? How's the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And so off they go. Got their instructions. And a little Renaissance group, you know, here they go. Off to explore this land. And they explore the land. And you can keep reading. I'll skip over some of it. They explore the land and it's incredible what they find. And in Numbers chapter 13, verse 27, they bring back their report. And this is what they say. They gave Moses this report. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. If you read the passage, you know that they cut off you know, one cluster of grapes, and it took two men to carry this cluster of grapes back to their camp. This was an enormous cluster, an enormous group of grapes here, and they're like, this land is exactly as God promised. 
It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It is everything you could possibly expect for your final destination. How exciting. Imagine, you know, you're, you're wanting to move into the new community. And you've heard all kinds of things you read in this little magazine that Leamington is the place to be and it's the number one place to live in a few years ago and we're so, woo, you know, proud of that. You know, we got more ketchup than we know what to do with and we're so excited. And, and someone rolls into this town and they're like, oh my goodness, like the tomatoes are as rampant as people said they were and, and Heinz is in town and, and everything is exactly, you would be so pumped, Right? Like, this is it. It is exactly what we thought. This is so exciting. Imagine the people listening, and Moses himself's probably ears are tingling. It's like, so awesome. Here we go. This is the promised land. It's exactly what God promised. However, verse 28, they continue their report. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. I said in the other service, and I didn't get any giggles, so it was by accident, but there's a big butt here. <laughs> okay. No one laughed here either. You're like, are we allowed to laugh at that? Um, so here's the, here's, the, here's the but. But there's an obstacle, Moses. This land is everything we thought it would be. This place is the, you know, just the most dream final destination place any group of people could ever imagine. However, there are obstacles to this. The obstacles are enormous. The obstacles are so big. And they completely discourage the people. It's like, we can't go there. It's as if though the ten, um, the ten spies who were like against us, it's like it didn't occur to them that if there's a prized piece of real estate somewhere, someone else will also have wanted it. Someone else will have laid claim to it. Now Caleb, verse 30, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. Now we go back to what I mentioned before. Haven't we all been in a situation at some point where like, we can do it. We can go. Let's go. We can go. And, and there's a majority of people saying, no way. No way, we cannot go. And you're, you find yourself the only one thinking that this is, this is an incredible opportunity. This is a great thing. It takes some serious guts here for Caleb to stand up before all these people and say, we can do this. We most certainly can do this. Here's the response from the other ten tri uh, spies. Numbers chapter 13, verse 31. We can't attack those people, they said. They are stronger than we are. Verse 33, We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We look the same to them. I don't know a lot about these, these Anak people, but apparently they, they're descendants of this... Uh, they're, they're like One commentary said they're like man-god. They're the enormous people. And now these, these other ten spies are saying... We look like little grasshoppers to these people. And here we have their reasoning for why we can't do it. And it's this. We. We can't do it. We can't conquer this land. We are not strong enough. We will get plundered. Our children will be plundered. We cannot 
possibly do this? If you read the rest of chapter 14, it's kind of interesting. I would say to you, if you ever want to uh, have a little description or an example of what God looks like when He's pretty upset, this would be a good chapter to read. Because God, He's a little bothered by their lack of faith. So here's what He says. Okay. All you naysayers, you're going to wander in the desert now for 40 years until all you naysayers are dead. A little harsh. The ten spies who said no and who convinced the people that it couldn't be done basically dropped dead of a plague. They're so close. Check out these pictures. There they are. Wandering in the desert for 40 years. Takes a while. And they're wandering, and they're wandering, and they're wandering. They're so close to the promised land. But there was obstacles. We can't go. And so they wander in this desert. And you know, one of the things you read in chapter 14 is that the people were saying, our children will be plundered. And God says, okay, as for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. In other words, God's like, I am still going to get you to this land. But unfortunately for you naysayers, you that saw the obstacle and figured you couldn't do it, you won't get there. I want to draw a parallel today between this journey that the Israelites were on and our spiritual journey. Let's just say the slavery in Egypt that the Israelites were, came from, that they were burdened by, is our slavery to sin. That we at one time too, like the Israelites, we were enslaved by our sin. God's deliverance of the people from Egypt, the incredible deliverance that God gave to the people, the parallel for us is Jesus delivering us from our sin. Dying on the cross and making salvation available to all of us. And I trust that I'm speaking today to people who have made a decision, we've been talking about making choices, who have made a choice to give your lives to Jesus Christ. And so you have been rescued, you have been delivered from your sin. The desert that these people found themselves in, the parallel for me is our defining moments in life. This desert represented a defining moment in the journey to the promised land. Here they were, it's like, okay, things have not gone as smooth as maybe they thought, but here we are at a defining moment in our journey. The promised land is just a little ways away. Will we go or will we not? So the defining this desert, this wilderness, represents you and I, our defining spiritual moments in our lives where God calls us to something or God uh, introduces us or invites us or you know, just reveals something new to us and you're like, this is really bright, I cannot see quite clearly here, this is a defining moment in your life. How will you respond? The promised land? Pretty simple. Heaven for us. Jesus has promised us in John 14, I am going to prepare a place for you. We have a final destination, and we have an incredible description in Scripture of what this promised land is like. And then these physical obstacles that the Israelites face, those are our spiritual obstacles that we face. There are obstacles. There are obstacles to the promise, to getting to the promised land. So here we are today, We have made our commitment to Jesus Christ. 
We had baptism last week. A, a ton of you stood up here and you proclaimed your testimony. We have membership today. We proclaimed our belief in Jesus Christ. Here we are this morning. We have proclaimed ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ. We have made the choice to saying yes to Christ. And what do we do with our obstacles? Let's ask ourselves this question. What was the difference in Caleb and in Joshua? And let's focus on Caleb because he's especially pointed out here. What was it that was different about Caleb than these other ten men? Because again, we have to just realize these were not weak, meek individuals that were asked to go and explore this land. These were leaders of the tribes. These were... People with influence in the community. What was different between them and Caleb and Joshua? I want to suggest today that there was two things. And these are two things that Caleb had or he, 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 um, he was that you and I are also going to need if we are going to truly stand against the obstacles that we face. The first one is this. Numbers chapter 14, verse 7 and 9 we read that Caleb saw more than just the obstacles. Caleb saw more than the obstacles. Listen to his response here. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land. A land flowing with milk and honey. And it will, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land. Because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. I should just quickly say, that evening or that day after the ten spies give their report, we read that the people are in mourning and they are weeping. And, and finally Caleb and Joshua, they rip their clothes and they're like, no. And then Caleb, and then they make this statement. And so we see here that Caleb and Joshua, they were not ignorant of the fact that there are obstacles. They know that there are obstacles. It's not like they're like, oh what, there was like obstacles there? There's issues? No, they, they knew there were obstacles. He knew that there was going to be problems. He knew there would be some conflict. It wasn't that he was unaware of the difficulties, but he was also very aware of God. He was so aware of God that he says... Their protection is gone. There is going to be no battle. We will swallow them up. The Lord is with us. Caleb was able to see beyond the obstacles. He was able to see more than the obstacles. It was like, okay, yes, this is the promised land. This is exactly what God has promised us. And God has promised us that He will be with us. So it's ours. Surely we can do this. Let's go take possession of it. I love that. So what are some of the obstacles you and I face? We could probably name tons. Every single one of us in this room, we, there are some obstacles that we encounter on our spiritual journey towards the promised land. We know that the Christian journey is not, you know, as soon as you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, that everything is all easy and, and problems just fade away. No, there are some obstacles in our spiritual journey. 
I want to list just one. It's kind of two combined into one. I want you to know I am not bashing anything here. But I believe that this is one of the obstacles that I have often heard people bring up that makes it really, really hard as they journey on their spiritual journey. And it's this. Our society slash government. Our society is so evil. Our governments are making decisions that are completely against Christianity. Our governments are against what we believe. Our governments are making laws that restrict us in our faith. Our society is just corrupt. There's nothing good that's out there. All of society seems to be against God. Against Christianity. Yes, it's an obstacle. It is an obstacle. I want to say this to you today. You and I as Christians, as believers, should not be waiting on our government to tell us what is morally right and wrong. You and I as Christians should not be waiting for our government to determine how we are supposed to live as followers of Jesus Christ. You and I as Christians are not waiting for our our society to somehow give us an illustration of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You and I as Christians, we have the Word of God and we have been told how to live. I'm convinced of that. And so society is, in a sense, against us. Society, in many ways, does not leave our children with beautiful examples of what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. Our governments, yes, they are in support of children, but our government possibly is not putting things out there. It says, in order to be a strong believer, in order to be a strong follower of Jesus Christ, here's the curriculum you must teach in your schools. Our government is not offering us that. But the Scriptures do. The Scriptures do. So don't become overwhelmed by the obstacles. And I'm not bashing our governments. We have an incredible government We have an incredible country. But I hear so often people saying that if the government would just figure it out, if the government would just set the example, what are our children going to do? Our children need us to raise them, the church, the parents, to teach them about Jesus Christ. Because this may be a surprise for you. Our governments aren't going to do that. So you might see that today as this enormous obstacle that you face. It's huge. We can't beat the government. We can't get them to change the laws. We can't get them to change their position on things. No, you can't. But the Word of God has instructed us on how to live. So do not be afraid. Keep your eyes on more than the obstacle. Here are some promises that Jesus gives us. John chapter 15, verse 18, He says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. John chapter 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In Christ you have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Ephesians chapter 6, 12-13, Paul is speaking here and he says, For our struggle is not against, the flesh, against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able 
to stand your ground. We must see more than the obstacles that are out there. And there are many obstacles. We can name all kinds here today. Obstacles that come in your way at times as you want to follow Jesus Christ. Pastor Steve talked last week or the week before about when we look at something too long, we find ourselves moving towards it. And when he said that, I immediately thought of when you're riding a bicycle on a sidewalk and you see the edge of the sidewalk, you've all been there with me, and you're staring at it, and and then you hit it. And you find yourself, if you just look up, it's like you can turn, no problem. But when you stare at that edge of the sidewalk, sure enough, your bike seems to go right into it. Maybe I'm the only one, I don't know. But I've often been there where you're like, look away, look away. And, and I don't look away. Friends, if we're going to just stare at society, if we're just going to stare at the obstacles that we face, we're going to get discouraged. We may even say, can't be done. We must look at more than the obstacles. We must do as Caleb did. He saw what God had promised him. And that's what he focused on. The second thing that Caleb had was conviction. It takes conviction to stand up before a bunch of people and say, we can do this, when the others are all saying, no, we can't. It takes conviction to stand up and and stick to a truth when others are saying, well, maybe not. Conviction, the state of being convinced. A conviction is a fixed or firmly held belief, an opinion. A cognitive content held as true. Something that you believe and you know is, and you hold hold to it as truth. An unshakable belief in something. A push from the heart. When you are convicted or when you, are, when you have a sense of deep conviction, you believe it is true. And get, Caleb had a deep conviction in his belief in God. God had promised him something and he held on to it as truth. It was an unshakable belief in God. Caleb had deep, deep conviction. You and I, if we are going to travel from the wilderness to the promised land and we're going to get there, you and I will need to have a very deep conviction in that what God said, God meant. And God will do. That the promises of Jesus Christ will indeed be fulfilled in all of us. We're not talking here just about making a statement. Those of you that were baptized last week, Those of you that were baptized last year, those of you that have said, I am a Christian, you will need to follow through with your actions. And it will be difficult. I trust, though, that your conviction is so deep that even when the obstacles come against you, that you will say, no, I believe in Jesus Christ. And I will follow Him faithfully. I am on my way to this promised land. And I will get there. The obstacles will not Hinder me. Listen to the promises again of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, 18-20. He says, Jesus said to them, and this is right near the end of His ministry, and He tells them this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Then He leaves them with this. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. John chapter 14, verse 18, He says this to His disciples again. And they're, they're bothered and they're concerned because He has told them that He's leaving them. And He says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Promising the Holy Spirit's presence with us. Revelation 1, 17. John is speaking here and he says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his hand, right hand on me and he said, and Jesus speaking here, and he says this, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive and for, forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. We could say this. Jesus is saying this very clearly to you and I today. Why are you afraid? I defeated your obstacle. I defeated the obstacle. I hold the key. You're staring at that old devil? He's hindering you? I defeated him on the cross. I rose from the dead. I was dead. I am alive. Hallelujah. I'm pumped about that one. Because if it weren't for that truth, we have no victory. We have victory in Jesus Christ. We have victory in the fact that Jesus has said, or that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He delivered us from our sins. He has rescued us from that. And now He holds the key to our victory. And we have victory in Him. Jesus is, Jesus is victorious. And we will need to live our lives with this deep conviction in us that when, at whatever obstacle we come up against, that we will remember our victory is sealed in Jesus Christ. And we will live our lives. We, will make, we have made the choice to follow Jesus Christ and we will not allow obstacles to keep us wandering in a desert. These people were so close. So close. And then they took their eyes off of it. And they looked at the obstacles. Their conviction was gone. Their belief failed. And they wandered in a desert for years. Half-hearted Christians never learn to conquer the giants of their lives. Fear is faith in the enemy instead of in God. One last verse I want to leave you with. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Paul speaking here and he says this, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Paul knew about obstacles. Paul had experienced obstacles. He had experienced obstacles from within the church and from out the church. He experienced obstacles with government. He had been... Stoned, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. My friends, I don't know when our time will come when we will be called into the promised land. But I can tell you a little bit about the promised land. 
We read in Scripture that it's a place where there will be no more sorrow. It's a place where there will be no weakness. It's a place where there will be no sickness. It's a place where there will be no sin. We are told that our tears will be wiped away. We are told that we will walk on streets of gold. The presence of Jesus Christ radiates, is the light in our promised land. And I trust that for every single one of us, when we keep our eyes on that promised land, that it will be enough that we will stay faithful in our journey to get there. If you are facing obstacles today, it's okay. We all face them. If you have just made a commitment to Jesus Christ and all of a sudden you're like, what is going on here? It's so tough. There are obstacles. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Live a life of deep conviction. Believe what the Scriptures tell you. And I'm not promising you a bed of roses. These people continued with some major, major obstacles, but they did get to the promised land. Jesus Christ has promised us, I will come and take you to be with me. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that you would have strength. I would want to pray that you have perseverance. I want to pray for those of you who are here today, maybe you're saying my faith is struggling a little bit right now. Or maybe you even want to say my faith is struggling a lot right now. I have been so overwhelmed by my problems. I've been so overwhelmed by my weaknesses. The devil has just attacked me so much this week and I have allowed him to have me wander in the desert. I have taken my eyes off of the Word of God. I have taken my eyes off of Jesus Christ. I once thought I was so sure that this was the truth and now I'm really struggling. I have no conviction. And I'm not sure where my journey's at with Christ. I want to pray for you this morning. Because I believe that God is faithful. And I believe that we as a congregation must remain faithful to Him. So I want to just invite you. You don't need to come up. But I would like to know, if you want me to pray for you, can I see your hand? You can pray for me. Please do. Because there are days where it's just like, wow. (laughs) Obstacles are big. Struggles are huge. So let's just pause for a moment in prayer. And let's ask God to give us the strength and the courage that we need to focus on Him. To remain convinced of the truth of the Word of God. It is His Word for life. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank You for speaking to us. My prayer for us today are again the words of Paul. Give us courage to stand firm. Give us strength so that nothing would move us. Remind us of Your presence. We know You are present with us. You have promised us that. And now, Holy Spirit, we pray that You would go among us. You saw the hands that went up. And we pray for a touch from You right now. Father, we need You. Jesus, You are our rescuer. And so we need You. And I pray for the struggles, the obstacles that we are facing here. 
I pray for the obstacles that may have caused us to wander when we should have been journeying with You. I pray against the obstacles that we do face. They are defeated in the name of Jesus Christ. So we claim Your victory over us as a congregation, as believers. We know, Jesus, that You are victorious. Father, help us to live in that victory. May we never use our freedom for sin. Father, hold us to Yourself. I thank You for Your faithfulness with us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Just a reminder, I guess all the members after the service go to the back and be greeted. I think something with that Steve told me, just a reminder.